Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, Fuck Whales, Petty Essays from a Brilliant Mind. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold. You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com Welcome to the best debate in the universe, every debate in the universe, from love songs to Ben Dongs. With over 2.5 million downloads, I'm your host, Maddox. With me is the Sultan of Swag, Mikey Bolts. Hey, Maddox. And as always, the Maharaja of Moderation, Rucka Rucka Ali. What up, cuz? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Guys, big show today, exciting debate. This is one that I've been waiting for for a long time. We've got the most perfect guest for it. She's been on the Tyra Banks show, the Today Show, the early show, and over 400 radio programs, and she's the author of four books. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Deborah. Wow. Welcome to the show. Four Thank books. you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. So excited, I'm nervous. Did yeah. we get that way? Well, everybody's nervous around me. Why? What know. are you nervous about? He's written three books, and one of them's not even a real book. You know? No, fuck you, Rucka. <laughs> what? They're all real books. Oh, Which crappy ones children's oh, art. Oh, crappy children's art. Everyone yeah. shits on that one. Oh, you got pictures in it. Yeah. And I, that's what I thought when I was writing that book. I thought, oh. Thank God, I'm writing this book with pictures in it. That means less work for me. It right. actually turned out to be more work. Because in addition to See what writing... happens when you try to cut corners? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Already. Yeah. Already. You know what? That's an ad hominem attack. Yeah. You weren't even... <laughs> it was just an attack. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, an attack. Anyway, Dr. Deborah, welcome to the show. I want to play with my buzzer. There you go. Okay, okay, there we go. <laughs> you immediately, immediately, not even like a minute into the show, you get a flavor for the type of show this is. I do. Yeah, I do. Great. Very excited. So, yeah, we like to respect our guests. So, Dr. Deborah, <laughs> welcome to the show. You are the host also of your own show, the Dr. Deborah and Kelly Therapist Show. And Therapist Kelly Therapist Show. Kelly. Yes, on LA Talk Radio. And it's yes. a live show on Tuesdays from 1 to 2. And then we go immediately to a podcast yeah. on iTunes and all of Yep. We've acquired over three quarters of a million listeners. It's fantastic. I don't know why, but we have. Compelling content. That's what that same, same exact thing that people tune in to this show for. Exactly. Compelling content, <laughs> calm debates, just a bunch of friends yucking it up. That's what it is. Here, here. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to talk I'm about... I'm ready. Well, you should be because the debate's coming right up. I we're, know. Today, we're going to be talking about whether or not kids are worth having. This is a big debate, I think. And and for some people, they can't even fathom the other side of the debate. And I'm not saying which that is. But I think you'll know if you've listened to anything I've ever said. But before we begin, let's hear everyone's buzzers. Rucka, let's hear yours. Dr. Deborah. And here's mine. If you hear a buzzer from anyone during this debate, that means we're chiming in. We're pointing out something that's incorrect, a logical fallacy, a statement you disagree with. Or you just want to be an asshole. Listeners of the show can vote on this debate at madcastmedia.com. Listen to both sides of the issue. I want to see what you guys truly think. Even if you guys have kids or don't have kids, I really want you to consider. <laughs> you might change your mind. Yeah, it's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> but Dr. Deborah, as our guest this week, I want to give you a first stab at the debate. Are kids worth having? I would say emphatically, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I already disagree with that because I'm going to argue emphatically no. Ah, all right. Well, yeah. why? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you say no? Why would I say no? I, for, I can't think. What's the point? Well, do you have any children? <laughs> I don't have children, no. 
how do you think that your parents would feel if they thought that they never should have had you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rocket, you want to take this? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, how would they feel if they thought they should never have had How him? would he feel? How, if, yeah, how oh, do you feel, Matt? How oh, would yeah, you feel if questions. your parents came out and said, I wish you were never born? Huh, interesting <laughs> question, Dr. Deborah, because I actually Made know how I would feel. I know, I know how I would feel because they've said that to me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start there. Let's start there. Just because you can have kids doesn't mean you're going to be good parents. Well, this I will agree with you. I'm sorry. I can't disagree with all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I definitely think forget about stepchildren. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they are really a challenge. So, so what's, but, a, what's a good thing about kids, though? Like, what what is, um, explain having a kid, because I, I only know, like, I have, like, a PlayStation 4. I have a cool computer. Those are things I can sell. I'm like, hey, you want to come over and play video games? That's cool. What do you do with a kid? So I can tell you, I have this beautiful, <laughs> amazing daughters who's grown now, right? Uh-huh. And you never get rid of your kids. They're around you for your life. So this idea that I'll stay together with this person until my child is grown up because then they won't care, all that's a crock of shit. Um, the truth is, is that if we have children for the right reasons, which a lot of people don't understand what those are, then it is one of the most valuable experiences on the planet. I think a lot of people do regret having children because they had children to either fulfill something in themselves that wasn't fulfilled, to try to have a child to act out their potential that they weren't able to act out because they want what we would call a narcissistic extension of themselves so that the child is the mirror of the unfulfilled parent. Those are all the wrong reasons. That's fascinating. That sounds like a psychological term. And again, you are a psychologist. You're an actual doctor. This is fascinating. So I want to hear, let's unpack that phrase. What does it mean? You said you said something narcissistic. A narcissistic right? extension of oneself. Narcissistic so, extension of oneself. So right. what does that mean? So a narcissist is somebody who's very much only about themselves. Mm-hmm. They lack empathy and right. everything is about boosting them up, making them proud of themselves, having people idealize them, glorify them. They're also very grandiose. They're very entitled. And so when they have children... The child is pretty fucked because they don't have any room to actually create their own sense of self. That Their sense of self becomes contingent on whether the parent is pleased by them or not. And there's a, usually a very small, narrow experience of what will please that person. So you are supposed to be these certain things. And oftentimes that leads to abuse. So these are it's a horrible condition to start out with. And a lot of people who are mentally ill, they're probably not going to make the best parents. But I know a lot of people who were seriously abused as children, and they will say, I'm not going to have a child because I don't want to do that to my children. Right. And I say... Work on yourself. Understand this. Turn that adversity into strength. And you're going to make one of the best parents on the planet as long as you're not acting out the abusive experience that was done to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense, actually. So what are some of the right reasons to have kids? Yeah. Yeah, I think to to help our experience in the world, to have new individuals, people who are going to carry on certain things, but add all kinds of new things to the planet, right? I'm I can't say so much about having children in this current generation, however. Yeah. Now, what if what if I just want a kid just to do work for me, like a little mm. bit of extra work around the house, you know, that sort of, you know, paint fences yeah. and. Well, yeah. I that, think historically and mm-hmm. probably still in some countries, yes, having more children to to manage the farm, to manage the tasks yeah. is is part of their culture. I yeah. don't particularly think that's a great reason to have children. And uh, it is a reason. It is a reason. It was the only way they could they could survive. And they had to have a lot of them since half of them would die before the age of 10. 
Yeah. What is that? An- that's another good reason, I guess, to have kids. Is like mm-hmm. they might die. Might die. You might ha- want to have a lot of kids so that yeah. the the ones that survive. Well, you'll you're have saying the survive. benefit. Like the good thing is, like it's not much of a reason to have a kid. It's a reason to have lots of kids. Okay. Is that some of them may die? Yeah. Right. Is that is that a reason? Now, do you do you worry? Mm-hmm. Is this like Oregon Trail? Because explain to me, explain to me, uh, parenthood. Are you constantly worried about your kids getting dysentery and going around naked without and and wagon wheels breaking and you know you're worried. You're it's constant worry, Excuse right? Excuse me. Which era are you from? <laughs> I don't understand what it's like to have a kid. Okay. So, All right. Is dysentery a concern? No. Okay. No. Okay. Let me tell you about having a child. It is some of the most trying moments in one's life. Yeah. But it's also the most rewarding because as long as you're not doing it because you have an agenda of what the outcome is, Mm -hmm. you want to give a rich environmental experience as best you can, as best as you can afford for your child to become who they want to become. As long as that isn't an axe murderer or serial killer or something like that, we, that, that is something that would not have been a good reason to have had children is to encourage criminal activity, right? Well, I, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> you got to agree with that one. I'll give you that. All right. <laughs> now, but here's the thing. I What I see with a lot of parents is that they are overbearing. A lot of parents have hopes and wishes that extend beyond hopes and wishes, mm-hmm. and it becomes like an overbearing force in the child's life. They, A lot of them, a lot of parents want their children to grow up to be uh, doctors and lawyers and somebody who makes a lot of money and somebody rather than something that is necessarily, uh, you know, not necessarily as financially successful or lucrative for the child, but fulfilling for them, like, say, being an artist or, you know, being a, a dancer or being being some weirdo in a band somewhere. That's like the, that's like every every parent's worst fear, isn't it? That your child is going to grow up to be a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Deborah, <laughs> there are certainly some concerns that parents will have about how their children will turn out. Again, I think if the parent is healthy enough to understand that they're not having a child for that child to fulfill a role or agenda that the parent has, then you give your child a lot of room to figure that out. Like, mind you, I love my daughter so much. She's 25 years old. It's been an amazing experience watching her grow up. She's gone all over the map with the kinds of things that she wanted to do. At 18 years old, she told me, that she was going to hitchhike across the country. Uh, Now, that is worrisome, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, dear. Hmm, She is 18. I can't really stop her. I cannot support her, but I can't really stop her. So you go through frightening things like that. But, you know, she went to school to be a photographer. They told her she was a brilliant photographer. Why is she in school? So then she started to do art stuff. And now she settled in on she found her way, and she is practicing Ayurvedic medicine. What's that? Ancient Indian medicine. So a lot of herbal things, the digestive uh, system, all this mm. kind of stuff. And she's brilliant at it. So she found her mm. way. <laughs> no, that was, uh, that was what him. What the heck was that? It was him. It's me going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. As a doctor, as a real doctor, I mean, not a medical one, granted, but you're, you're a doctor. Thank you. What, what do you really think of this Indian stuff? Actually, I have found a lot of what she has taught me to be very helpful. Good. Yeah. All right. Back to your story. <laughs> So, so here's here's the thing though, uh, having a child, like one presumes that parents care about them, right? That's a that's a one would hope so. One would hope so, right? So what you are doing is you are making something in the world that you are constantly worried about. Mm-hmm. If you don't hear from your daughter for two three weeks, what are you gonna think? Oh, my mind generally goes to the worst. The Not worst. anymore, exactly. but it has historically, so, right? So your child constant, is five minutes late. Constant anxiety. Trauma, worry. Mikey knows. Yeah. 
Well, what are you going to worry about if you don't have something to worry about? <laughs> I got fucking shit to worry about already. I got lots of shit to worry about. I don't have to worry about a, a child. I don't want to make something then that I have to worry about continuing to survive. Like, it's tough sometimes just to keep a plant alive. Well, your parents hate you. What? They don't worry about you, do they? <laughs> yeah, they do. And I don't know why. Like, mm. in a weird way, they, they, they definitely do. Look, clearly, when we have a child, we have great influence over them, who they become, what they think, what their values are, etc. Right? So we try to give them the best footing possible to be successful. Whatever that successfulness is defined as an adult is different for different children. But we do have an experience that is one of a kind, because when you watch something that's part of you transform and grow and blossom it is a beautiful thing have you ever planted a seed outside yeah. and seen flowers come out yeah 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 I planted uh, turnips and they grew were they lovely they were fine they're t- just turnips turnips kind of suck but um <laughs> did you mash them did you put butter on them did you put salt no, on it, them it's just the so when i i grew up on an orchard where a lot of people don't consider an orchard, but it's a big property, and we had a garden. My dad had a tractor, and he would till the till the fields, and I planted one year. I decided, you know what? I'm going to plant. I'm going to be a farmer this year. I was uh, younger. I was, I think, in junior high, and I, I bought a bunch of turnip seeds and carrot seeds. Turnips are the most rewarding thing to plant, much more rewarding than a child, because <laughs> you, <laughs> you find out... Wrong! Uh, you, fi- you find out almost immediately... Wrong! <laughs> you find out almost wrong, immediately. Wrong. <laughs> you know what? Veto that wrong. And I'll tell you why. Because turnips sprout in like three days. And they are so rewarding. You put something into the ground. You know immediately how it's going to turn out. You're not going to worry that, that, that the turnip is not going to uh, report home. You know in three days whether it's going to report. You know that the turnip's not going to grow up to disappoint you. You know the turnip. The worst thing that a turnip can do is give you indigestion. Whereas a child, the worst thing a child can do, we don't even know. The sky's the limit. We, uh, we've got uh, terrorism. We've got uh, uh, serial killers. We've got Hitler. Yeah. Those are all children, right? Ch- Hitler was a child. Yes, he was. And a, a, apparently a very abused child. Was he? Mm. Apparently so. So but- that leads to the next point, which is parents. Now, would you say, as a rule of thumb, would you estimate that most parents are good parents or bad parents? And I'm talking more than 50%. Are more than 50% of parents good? I'm going to say more than 50% of parents are good enough. Mm. You not g- good enough is not good <laughs> enough. Ah, I, what is good I e- disagree. Oh. Good enough. Because you're operating from some perfectionistic standard that's completely unrealistic. Talk about having expectations of a child and then being seriously disappointed. Who? What is our right to have an expectation? The only expectation we have should be of ourselves to do the best we can to raise that child with the best environment and tools that we can give the child. And using your turnip example, yeah. you know what? A child blossoms in their own way every single day. When you see a child move from taking the bottle to throwing it on the ground and wanting a sippy cup, that's a big event. When you see a child who's generally a blob in the first couple of weeks, all of a sudden, like my child did, not a blob. Excuse me, daughter. I love you. Um, But lying, you know, I could put her down on the couch next to me and not have to worry about her rolling over. And then one day 
The doorbell rings and I hear kerfump. My daughter rolls over onto the hardwood floor because I hadn't expected that. But all of a sudden she did that. Mm -hmm. And it was like she was okay. Thank goodness. I mean, is she okay? Is there a connection between her falling off the table and becoming a hitchhiking hippie? (laughs) She never did the hitchhiking hippie, although she did move to Hawaii for six months and lived off the land, which was beautiful. Beautiful. She got to swim with turtles and dolphins. The way nature intended it. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Got to or had to. If you're living off the land in Hawaii, you might find yourself in the ocean lost at some point. You don't have any navigation software. You don't have your smartphone. You don't have technology and clothes. And When did you become so cynical? <laughs> yeah, when? <laughs> well, I don't when know. When you were in diapers? Uh, probably, probably always. Yeah, probably always. I was a great I was a great child. I was an adult. I was walking on old old four old two legs when I was as, <laughs> as a as a baby walking around making big decisions. Making big decisions. My parents trusted me mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. they trusted themselves. I was a smart boy. But did not you see me- Baby Boss? No, I did not. I did not and will not, but go on. Oh, you have to see this. This is it's a hysterically cute movie. Have you guys seen it? No. Yeah. It's no, very I think, funny. I don't think this is the audience for Baby Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Although I almost made a video that would have been about four minutes long shitting on just the trailer. Mm. So if that gives you any idea. How uh, you feel about Baby Boss. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. So you've never had the experience of seeing a baby and just having a moment of experiencing joy? I've had moments where I've seen a baby and we make a connection just for a second. Mm-hmm. And we, we see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that baby gets me and I get that baby. And we, I want to fist bump it, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't. And I put my fist close to, you know, I bring my fist over and the mom comes running over. She's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Takes, takes it, clutches her baby away. See, I think that you're afraid. I think you're taking this point of view. Because I am afraid. You're afraid. I'm absolutely be- afraid. But not afraid because you're afraid you're going to worry because you're afraid that you're going to be a failure. No. <laughs> no. That has never been a fear of mine in my life. I know everything I do, I succeed at. But here's the here's the thing about a baby. I am afraid of dropping it all the fucking time. And when you said you put the baby down, <laughs> you put your baby down on the couch. I'm like, yeah, now we're talking. And then you said, oh, you you laid it down. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not not at all. But I'm not I'm not afraid of of uh, of children. But it is a commitment of time. You know what's great? I I read this com- It was a female comedian. I don't remember who who said this, but. She said every time she goes back home, she lives in Los Angeles. She's a stand-up, right? So every time she goes back home, all of her friends have moved on and have families. They both they all have kids and they they all gush about their children. They say, "Oh, it's so wonderful. It's a miracle." All the stuff that you're saying like, you know, blossoming and they go to Hawaii and swim with turtles and all this shit. And then <laughs> she's like she's like, "Yeah, I don't have kids cuz I live in a city with shit to do." So mm-hmm. <laughs> So how about that, Dr. Deborah? What about living in a city with shit to do, which you do clearly, but you have opted to do the selfless thing or, you know, I guess you could make the argument that having a child is is altruistic or not altruistic. There's a case to be made for both, but you have to give part of yourself to this child Mm -hmm. to raise him or her properly, whereas someone like me is out doing cool shit all the time. How do you, uh, what do you have to say well, about that? I personally think that if that's how you feel, you should not have children because Bingo. people who would rather just Smart. do their own cool shit ought yeah. to be doing their own cool shit. In fact, I have several friends who are either single or part of a couple who have just decided they didn't want to have children. They didn't want to make that commitment. They didn't want that long-term responsibility. So I applaud them for that. I don't think that everybody should have children, but I do think that it is one of the most rewarding experiences on the planet, even though the day-to-day usually fucking sucks. Hey, wow. there you go. That you know, consider that when you're voting, guys. 
Dr. Deborah just admitted it sucks day to day. So it sucks day to day. So like the the good part is like like graduation day, like like the, those special uh, uh, moments or the, also, the big picture. It yeah. also is amazing every day mm. because in one moment where it sucks and then you achieve some sort of conflict resolution in that moment, if you will, if it's the battle of the wills as teenagers or if it's, uh, you know, the baby that, or two-year-old who won't put on their socks and you have to get somewhere and you find a way to navigate. It's like a dance and you find a way that you come back together in this beautiful bond and you know that that bond is getting stronger and stronger every mm. day. And that kind of love is so enchanting that it just makes it all worth it. There's another word for this. It's called hostage. You're a hostage right now because mm-hmm. you have to. You, you're hoping you're <laughs> in a negotiation situation with your child every day. Please, please eat your fucking food. Please. <laughs> I don't want to be a bad mother. I don't want to send you to bed hung- hungry and starving. Who knows? God knows when you'll eat next. But that's all about how you approach parenting. If you're approaching parenting to win a power struggle every day, you're yes, going to be in a power struggle every day. Sounds right. If you approach parenting <laughs> as a way of we are going to find a way to navigate through every situation by my respect you who you are as your little temperament and your little being and who i am as me and we're going to find a way to make that okay what is this what is this word how do you say it Re- respect because i i never got any i my parents i don't feel like they respected any of my decisions any of my choices to the point where i think i i remember an incident when i was growing up i went into my room and i organized everything i had i put it in boxes i you know i got some boxes and put my stuff away my mom's like what the fuck are you doing like <laughs> like took everything i'm like well i was trying to make a you know make my room more tidy and that sort of thing so again this is contingent upon the parents think of the average person right you you drove over here and you had you encountered a lot of traffic traffic is a sign of a dullard sign of somebody who is not driving properly a sign of somebody who is not driving fast enough or aggressively enough it's somebody who has made bad decisions, and it ripples all the way down. And there have been study after study that show traffic starts when people prematurely break, when people are not aggressive enough, when people don't switch lanes when they should, and so on and so forth. And that's why, as a society, we have traffic, is because of dumbasses. The average person, the average person is a dumbass. And I, right? I, I, and, I, and those average people are then going to go and have kids, and they're going to have an average upbringing. They're going to instill values that are average they're not going to be extraordinary they're not they they have the potential to be so that you are an advocate for wiping out the planet it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's because if everybody thought of this this way yeah we're it that's it there's no more we're done so yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean we got other planets that's the thing everyone's like oh we got to save this there's no planet Mm. b i'm like yes there fucking is it's mars we can terraform Mars. And the sun is expanding. In about 50,000 years, Mars is going to be habitable. It's going to be fine. In fact, maybe before then. We start We start over. Well, on the next tram there, yeah. <laughs> why don't you jump on board? Yeah. You know what? I will, Dr. Deborah. <laughs> I would love to. How, hold on. What? How does that solve, going to Mars, how does that solve the problem of whether or not to have kids? You can have kids on Mars. Right. So what does that have to that, You start do, over. You start over. And Look, then this what? One's, this was this planet's fucked. We made a mistake. This has been a big mistake. Who made a mistake? Everybody. Everybody who ever. Those are the same people that are going to be on Mars. No, no. The people who go to Mars are yeah. going to be, are not underachievers. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's All not right. like a Prometheus ha, Have situation. you ever been in love? No. 
Oh. Never? <laughs> now, I, I mean, you know, I love myself. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what do you, is that what you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? You've never been in love with another human being. Hmm. <laughs> why do you ask? Yeah. Why do you ask? Well, because there are lots of overlaps between being in love with another human being and being in love with your child. Not this. There's nothing sexual here. Nobody Whoa, get that hey, wrong uh-huh. experience Come here. On, okay. Yeah. Not saying that. I'm saying that the feelings generated by caring for another human being are very powerful. They make us better people. When we have somebody in our life who we can cherish and treasure and be careful about their feelings and trusting them, we become a better human being. Okay, we become more a... sensitive. We become more altruistic. We make mm. for a better world. When we lack love, we make for war. We make for disaster. We make for shit. Mm. Okay. Can that's I an... ding me as a positive? You can go ahead and ding yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? It's on your board. Oh, yeah. I'm a ding. Mm-hmm. There yes, you go. I'm going to give myself a second ding. I was <laughs> okay. very moved by Two that dings. remark. <laughs> okay. So that, that, could, that could be, that's, that's an actual compelling argument. If you can make the case that having a child makes us aggregate as a whole, as humanity makes us better people, yet we have war and every single soldier, every single person who has ever fought in a war had parents. Those are all people who decided to have children. And in spite of the fact that most people do have kids and most people do carry on their their progeny and their the next generation and they are trying to make the world a better place, in spite of all of that, in spite of all this love that goes into our upbringing, we still have a lot of dumbasses, a lot of war, a lot of conflict, and a lot of bad parents. Well, what's the, the, what's the, the human being thought? is extremely flawed in every way. Yeah, We're... and you want to make more of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah, my, my hoping goal, for a better outcome. My, we, my my hope and goal for a child, if I ever if I were to ever have a kid, and I, I've actually thought about this. I've thought about having a child, and it would be a number of conditions uh, that I would have to have met first. First of all, I would have a child in a relationship that was not contingent upon that child. So it would have to be a relationship that was self-sustaining, a relationship that was solid and stable. Okay, and the second the second reason the second uh, condition that would have to be met is that I'd have to be able to afford it. Uh, I'm not going to have a child and go into a bunch of debt and work two jobs and never see that child. That's a shitty upbringing, I think. And the third condition is that the world has to not be a super fucked up place. And what I mean by that is that He's I would never have having a, kids. I, would, yeah. <laughs> done, dude. I wouldn't have a child if, say, World War Three was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's relative. Uh, instability in the world right now and there always will be most likely because it's a big place and there's a lot of chaos and a lot of different variables that go into it but there's no world war thankfully and that's not you know it's not all doom and gloom so there are some and I do feel like look I've never I've never done it and that's the thing that's the problem with with parents is that you've never been a parent so a lot of people kind of jump into this thing to raise a child without having any understanding on the on, on how their behavior affects the child cognitively, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I really would hope that we would teach a lot more in school about relationship building, how to have successful relationships, because a parent-child situation is a relationship, just like a lover-to-lover, a friend-to-friend. We don't learn those skills. We don't learn about how to increase our empathy, increase our understanding, increase our tolerance, increase our flexibility about things. We are dominantly raised to be pretty selfish human beings for the most part. And that's why I say that when we have a child, if 
we are healthy enough to experience that. It helps us get out of our way, our own way, helps us get into the mode of really learning how to care for and cherish another growing human being. That's a really good point. Now, this re this brings me to why I think that most people should pump the brakes on having children is because there, there are two areas of society that are very important that shape our culture, that shape our lives, that we are not taught anything about in schools, anywhere, really. Even our parents don't know what the fuck they're doing, which is the first one is relationships. You're supposed to, especially when people who decide to get married, they are making a lifelong commitment with somebody based on some arbitrary set of conditions that they personally have met. Sometimes it's just a feeling. And sometimes, 50% of the time actually, those feelings are wrong. Those feelings are misplaced. Those feelings could be inspired by a condition, could be inspired by something. Feelings <laughs> can never be wrong. Oh, yeah? Perceptions mm. can be inaccurate, but feelings are feelings that are the direct result of how we process the data in front of us. Well, I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> that is a thought. Yeah, okay. You think I am wrong. How do you feel about your thought that I am wrong? Really are you good. sad, mad, glad, or afraid? Super, super. I, I feel super <laughs> pleased with myself. I have no argument then. <laughs> I wish that I is your feeling. You know, Dr. Deborah, I want to be in virtual reality with four arms so I can pat myself on the back I'm at trying all time. to be so serious here. So, so feelings are, are a response to thoughts. Yeah, perceptions, thoughts, and so the thoughts ideas. Can be, the thoughts can be inaccurate. Yes. Okay. So, so that may, goes to so so you're or actually, judgments, right? If mm -hmm. you make a judgment yeah. that you're in danger when you're not actually in danger, your body's going to respond with fear, mm -hmm. right? And anxiety is basically fear, but it's the perception of danger when there is none. Right. So okay, how fair. can you argue, argue somebody out of being? If you're afraid, you're afraid. Right. You may say, but that's not dangerous. Let's look at this reality. How how much can this cup actually come to hurt you? Not the cup. Now, if your parent threw a metal cup at you on a day-to-day -day basis, my picking up the cup might make somebody frightened. Right. Right? So, so, so. Actually, Did I throw you off a little bit? No, it's bolstering my case because what I want to, what I'm trying to say is that we make a lot of decisions without any knowledge or understanding or education on how to best make those decisions. So the first one is relationships, which mm -hmm. approximately 50% of all marriages end in divorce because people don't know the things that will go into making a successful relationship. Oftentimes what we think we want isn't what we want in a relationship or what will help nurture a relationship going onward. The second one is child raising and childbearing. There are there is a lot of there are a lot of books that have been written about it. There are a lot of different theories, a lot of different philosophies, different schools of thoughts. Um, you know, have a lot of involvement in your child's life. Have a little involvement. Let them be independent. Uh, you know, be supportive, be nurturing. All these things, all these philosophies, but none of them are taught to us in any formal way, and nobody really knows how to be a good parent. And there are very many people who've done it. I, I have a brother who has two children. And he is a fantastic, he and his wife, they're fantastic parents. They, I don't know what the actual, the, what the secret sauce is that they've done right, but these kids are respectful, mature, intelligent, kind, empathetic, obedient. And they're just, they're great kids to be around. They'll say hello. They'll look you in the eye. They'll shake your hand. They'll have a conversation with you. When their parents ask them to do something, they do it. It's not an abusive situation. They're just, they're great kids. How, so, so something that they have done right I can point to very many other parents that they've done wrong. So this this idea that we have that we just like jump into some of the biggest decisions we ever make in our lives, like marriage or having a child, without a, at least a little bit of education, I think is a scary thing. It's it's a it's a scary thing without with uncertain outcomes. I I will agree. 
I, I can't argue yes. on that one. I, I will agree Smart. with that. However, <laughs> that's not a reason for most people not to have children. The answer to that question is whether people should have children or not is, are you willing to do the self-work, the self-awareness, the self-growth to try to do the best you can with the best of intentions to create a healthy environment for your child to thrive? Well, I feel like every parent has best intent. Well, for the most part, they have best intentions for their child. Everybody wants That's just a a component, I said. It's also the willingness to become self-aware, to recognize your shortcomings, to recognize how who you are may be an obstacle in being a good parent and trying to resolve those issues and fix those issues before being a parent. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Deborah. Maybe you know the answer to this. Maybe not. It's it's not super important. But what, what is the average age that most people have children? I do not have the stat on that i think it's, it's so varied right i mean it, historically well, it was much younger historically you know, it was much early younger. 20s i know so many couples now in their young in their early 30s that haven't even begun to think about having children and guess what you you might you might win the whole world because yes. women are waiting way too long to have children they find out they can't and fertility yeah. is extremely expensive so I think that, you know, most women, unless they are thinking about this, they should be getting their eggs frozen if they do want to have children. That's a whole other conversation because, well, you know, yeah. the the pressure to be successful and all the things that you're saying, which are which are reasonable criteria that you want to have fight some reasonable financial success or, or the at least the hope that it's moving in that direction. You know, the ability to have child care if you can't be there front and center all the time, right? Which most parents can't because most couples, I think in America anyway, are dual working, dual income right, right, right. situations. So we don't have a lot of the luxury that historically was afforded to a child sure. to have somebody at home, which by the way, in my personal opinion, that old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Some of the pressure is really off when you use your community support, when you have friends who have kids and you have kids and you do like, I had a, a couple, uh, as a psychologist, I had a a couple and she had three other families and they would swap for babysitting nights on Saturdays and take care of each other's children. So each couple was able to have three Saturday nights Mm -hmm. a month out to themselves. So they can get a taste of the life I live every day. Yeah. (laughs) Doing, doing fun shit, doing cool shit, taking, making risky decisions. That's what I do every day. Everything I do is risky. It's, it's, it's great. I live on the edge. I'm all edge. So, but back to the reason I asked that question, Mikey, Mikey, I knows, forgot the question. No one for, for people who aren't watching this on YouTube, Mikey's just nodding emphatically oh, for yeah. everyone else who is check again. <laughs> I'll cut away from that camera. Um, so, so, so the reason I asked about the average age is because, oh yeah, that was the question. Yeah, was Sorry. The question. Well, in my experience in larger cities, the average age that people have kids is around uh, 30, 31, that, around that age, because then. For women, the biological clock is ticking, and mm-hmm. that's the time that they should have kids. In Utah, where it's much more family-oriented and people don't have shit to do, people are like, well, fuck it. They're going to resign to just having as many kids as possible because there ain't shit going on, and they just have to have a bunch of fuck. It's just like a child mill. Just kids coming. Kids everywhere. You can't spit and not hit a kid in Utah. So the average age there is about 25. So it's between 25 and 31 is what I'm going to guess. And something you said is a good parent takes somebody who is committed to become more self-aware, realize their flaws, et cetera, et cetera. But at that age, I think it's a little too late. I think these people who have decided to make a child have already resigned to a life of unawareness and a, a life of not thinking critically. 
of not making good decisions necessarily. So, so really, the the debate we're having is why some people shouldn't have children, not whether people should have children. There Mo- is a most, case to be most. made. You know, I'll buzz your buzz. <laughs> So what we get is there's there's a case to be made. <laughs> it's so funny. Sorry. There's a case to be made for talking about why some people shouldn't be having children. But I think it's the wrong question to ask is whether people should have children. I just don't know what to do with them. Like, what do you do with kids? I took a kid to, to a Target once. Mm-hmm. Kids walking around. Mom gave me an allowance. Like, hey, you can give them, a, you know, get them to buy something. I said, okay, <laughs> what do you want? Kids like walking up and down the aisles like, hmm, finally. Kids settled on some reading glasses. And I'm like, you don't you don't wear glasses. You don't need reading glasses. He maybe likes the look. Yeah, he did. He liked he just wants a bucket. I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing it upset me? It, it, it really upset me because I because when I was a kid, I, I fought so hard. I begged. I I I scrounged for quarters just to play Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Just to play for a minute of video games. And this kid with like an allowance of $20. Oh my God, what a bounty. $20. You could buy like two action figures with that shit. You want reading glasses? It really upset me. It really upset me. This you, kid. You are a serious wounded bird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should have children. Yeah. I would be so upset if my own child wanted reading glasses instead of toys. Spoiled. That's what they are. They're spoiled. Because he wants reading glasses, yeah. that makes it spoiled. First he has of all, too many toys. First of all, you will—I know you will disagree with this—but you cannot spoil a child. You can overly indulge a child, but you cannot spoil the yeah. child. Semantics. Mm. Whoops. What is the difference? <laughs> yeah, what's the difference? Because spoiling is the idea that you have made a child rotten. Well, that's your damn fault. That's not the child's fault, but that's a child who's been overly indulged and there's going to be consequences and repercussions in terms of greater levels of entitlement, possibly more narcissism, more selfishness. So you can have this flip side of the same coin. You can be deprived as a child or overly indulged and still end up with those components. So a spoiled child is somebody who is like ruined as opposed to an overindulged child is somebody who has been exposed to bad caregiving and bad parenting, but they can be fixed. Is that is that the distinction? You have to do some behavioral modification. I mean, most children. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. I'm all about behavioral modification. I want to have re-education camps when I become president. I uh, might have a party. It's President the, of Mars? Uh, potentially. Oh, okay. I'll, I think... I'll be the only person. Yeah, fucking perfect. Dope. Oh, man, there'd be fucking jumps everywhere. You know, like high-speed jumps for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Monster trucks on Mars everywhere. I'm perfect. Getting, oh, I love monster trucks. I went to a monster truck rally recently. Good. Yeah, it was a really good awesome. time. Awesome. So you asked a question of what do you do with a child? Yeah, what right? do you do You it? forgot your question. So you no, remember yeah, that well, one. I just, uh, I was a rhetorical question because nothing. You don't do it. You take them to Target. They just want reading glasses. To me, a child who wants just normal everyday shit around the house, like, oh, just give me a spatula. Oh, give me the, give me a fucking blender. That's a child who's already got everything. That's a child who's already got all the toys and all the video games he wants. And now he's moved on to just buying appliances. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it. Makes me mad. You have a better buzzer than I do. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I have That's Sony. not fair. It's yeah. messed up. Yeah. I got everything. Look at that. Oh. oh yeah. Boy. Was that a fart? That was a fart. My neighbor. I have to tell you a funny story. Oh, right. Here we go. Oh, please, Dr. This Deborah, go on. <laughs> tell me about this fart story. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, this is great.
great. My neighbor and I, we we are very fond of each other, and we take a walk uh, usually two to three times a week. We're you know power walkers, and she was telling me about this friend of hers that she has, and they have this fart machine, and they go to the mall, and she's got it in her purse, and and the other one has the air thing. I don't know exactly how it works because I haven't actually used it, although I participated in the action, and. <laughs> In the elevator, she go in the elevator with, you know, going up and down and just lay out this fart machine. These very like, you know, these really, yeah. really gross things. And she does it with a straight face and and looks around and, and then will point to someone. Are you OK? Did you have too many beats? So I said, I, I was like peeing in my pants. It was so funny. I'm like, I have to do this with you. Yeah. So we went out with my guy and her guy and we went to the mall and we did this. And I could not keep a straight face. It was just impossible. It's like in the elevator. I'm like. I'm almost like farting yeah. through my mouth just because it was open. And of course, my poor guy was the fall guy. <laughs> it it's always the guy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a preemptive. Uh, you got to think that's funny. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. That's I'm a preemptive funny. fart blamer. As soon as I, I will fart and I'll, I will turn to wh- whichever girl, the hottest, <laughs> the hottest girl next to me. And I'll be like, it's you. You did this. This is your shame. We're smelling. We're, yes. We're this, smelling there is a serious gender shit. bias on, on the fart thing. Most people will assume yeah. that it's the dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really unfair. Women do get away with a lot more farting yeah. without public, public mm-hmm. humiliation. Hashtag Absolutely. Men. Yeah. Hashtag men too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's a good place to end this debate. I think this has been a fascinating discussion of the topic. Very thorough. I want you guys to vote on this debate at madcastmedia.com. Don't forget to go there, vote on this debate, see which side you agree with more. And if you're a parent, I really want you to consider my side of the argument. Even if, even though you have kids, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe maybe you'll admit. Maybe you'll admit. I've had a few parents. You too. might want to change that because telling parents who are already parents that um, they might want to take on your point of view is not a good recipe for raising a healthy child. Then that, that However, means they should be parents. <laughs> If they agree with me, if you agree with me, by the way, you shouldn't be a parent. So, <laughs> and then they sh- and you know what? Then you should ought to give your children to Maddox and see what he can do with them. Yeah. I'll take him. I got fences. Maybe the only people uh, <laughs> smart enough to be parents are the ones who don't want kids. Mm-hmm. That's right. That it's the Dunn and Kruger effect of parenthood, mm. right? The par- the people who think they're going to be the best parents are the least likely to be good parents, and vice versa. The people who are like. No, you know what? I'm going to have a little bit of modesty. I'm going to have a little bit of humility when it comes to parenthood. I'm going to take a step back and say, maybe I'm not too qualified. Maybe I need to do. I need to live more and have better experiences and become a better person first before I try to instill my values onto another fucking human being. Or how about you just do what I do and you just start a therapy fund for your child right <laughs> off the bat because you know you're going to fuck up their heads to some degree and then they won't resent you because, look, I knew that would happen. Here you go. Go fix it with so, your therapist. Wait. Do you th- when you said people the, the human is very flawed is that like an inherent part of people in your opinion or is that I think just- we're flawed I mean by the expectations and the standards that we hold for people most of us can't can't live up to those if you even think about marital vows I'm not anti marriage but think about marital vows who the fuck can actually make the commitments and promises that they say in these vows you cannot promise to love somebody forever you can't you can promise to be as committed as you're capable of being, as honest as you're capable of being, as dedicated as you're capable of being, of showing up, of good communication, of being uh, respectful when you've made a mistake to be able to say, I'm sorry. Those are the promises we ought to be making to people because those are really the things that we have control over. Right. I, I think that one of the, the most uh, damaging concepts in society 
is the concept of unconditional love. And this, this extends to parenthood. Because if you tell your child, I'm going to love you no matter what, I think you're by default a shitty parent. Because if your child does something so heinous, like if your child, like the, the parents, um, who's that guy that, uh, that, that raped the girl, uh, the, uh, the guy who, who raped the, the, the girl behind the, um, you know, the, at, a, at a college party or something, the kid got caught, the guy got caught, because oh, he tried to run away, yeah, that. and he only got some, like, probationary period or something like that. His parents were 100% on his side. Mm-hmm. They supported him for no other reason than they were than he was their progeny. Right, but there is a difference between unconditional love and unconditional acceptance of one's behavior, right? So I can love my child no matter how bad she can be at certain times, which thankfully, maybe I can't say that because she's never been bad in that kind of sense. But I, there were certainly behaviors that were not acceptable. Do you believe in unconditional love in a relationship? Do you feel like you, you should make that commitment to somebody? I think that we can love somebody, but I do think that we often have conditions on the acceptability of their behavior. So I may care about somebody and love somebody, but I may find that who they are and how they operate is intolerable. So, so, but wouldn't you then fall out of love with that person when they do something so egregious or heinous against you? People that... do fall out of love. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we so... can fall out of love. It's still different. That's the difference between an adult adult relationship and a parent child relationship. That was, I, I, I can't imagine ever not loving my child. It's a what? different thing. It's also different expectations. I don't make, I can make conditions. I can love my child. If she weren't somebody that I were fond of, I don't have to have a relationship with her. But still love and care for her as a being. Well, what does that mean, though? If you if you love and care for her as a being, like is that in the general sense that you love and care for all beings, or uh, can you can your child be, do something so heinous, like become the next Hitler, that you would then fall out of love with that child? You would say, you know what, I, I, I don't I love my child. I would think anymore. that I would fall out of love if my child, if your child were was Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. we found common ground. Guys, don't forget to vote at madcastmedia.com. <laughs> See which side of the debate you agree with. Rucka, do you have a wrap up for us? Yeah. This world is a fucked up place. That, that Listen, we've been over this. You're laughing now. I can hear you. All right. We're all very silent for this segment of the show. That's right. Closed mouth. See, she gets it. She's a professional. It's more than I can say for some people sometimes. Uh, this world is messed up. The people, very irrational people everywhere. Very neurotic ridiculousness everywhere and uh if you decide to have kids one of two things are going to happen your kid joins the ranks of these irrational fucked up people on this planet that's possibility number one possibility number two your child is one of the special few who thinks independently and goes against the grain and swims against the stream and is a hero spending their whole life feeling lonely as fuck Thank you. It's a rock wrap up. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I feel so lonely because I'm, yeah, I'm one of are, these special few. You are the special few. Yeah. That's why you're so lonely. Yeah. yeah. That's why. <laughs> Just And that's why I, the, the greatest love you can experience in life is the love that you give yourself. That's the best. Mm-hmm. Loving oh, oneself fantastic. is very important. I well, do. As long as it is not to the degree to which you love yourself. It's a lot. So can you uh, help us understand? I know the debate is over, so this is kind of like the post-debate, but 
you say like we're, we're narcissistic, like people are narcissistic, and now you're saying you need to love yourself. What exactly? Is it a matter of degrees like you just said? Yes, it's a balance, really? right? To be able is to... Is it a balance or is it loving yourself in the right kind of way versus the wrong kind of way? Well, it's kind of both. I think loving yourself is a way that you self-acceptance but changing things that are not acceptable i mm-hmm. mean when we behave badly it's okay to have guilt yeah that, and that's a form of it's not a form of not self-loving it's mm-hmm. just a form of being loving to yourself but causing yourself to try to do better next time but if we only love ourselves and we cannot love another that's what narcissism is that's where we are so self-absorbed that it's all about us that's the absence of empathy the absence of altruism that's where we get into trouble so it's irrationality irrational it's more than that it's not it's just being a little what cuckoo is, what is in it? your thinking it's actually about just that nobody else matters but yourself and how do we have community if that's if that's what is so you can love yourself but it's also important to also have enough love in your heart for others my opinion only but it's a good I one. wish it were only your opinion, but most people agree with that, that they think that um, narcissism is is loving yourself too much. I would say what you just described is irrational, people being irrational, people not having a hierarchy of values. You can't you must have other people in your life. You must uh, love certain people in order to be a rational person or to live a good life. Uh, it's a lot we can get into, but I don't know if I just if what I just said made sense. I hope so. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So ruling him out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I think to answer your question, it's very important to be self-loving, to know how to self-soothe. Once we become an adult, we actually cannot be abandoned. That's a big crisis in our society. People walk around saying, he's abandoned me. I've been abandoned. No, you can't be abandoned unless you're entirely dependent on the care of one person. That person can abandon you. A parent can abandon a child, but your lover, your partner cannot abandon you. They may choose not to be with you. So the ability to be able to self-soothe and self-care is ultimately very important. Otherwise, we are entirely dependent for our own self-worth on someone else. Then we're in trouble in the same way that somebody only cares about themselves and that's irregardless of what anybody thinks of them, they could give a shit about everything all the time. They're also in trouble. Okay. Does that make sense? So the two extremes are, are bad. Eh, I, I still I, I still don't like it because I, my, what I'm what I'm describing is putting everything in its proper context. That's that's being rational putting everything in its proper context expecting someone else to live for your sake is irrational because if why why should they live for you but not you for them it makes no sense at all labels are irrelevant we're pretty much saying similar things almost but you're 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 still using selfish to mean bad and altruist to mean good and self-focus is mm -hmm. good selfish is a different category in my opinion okay what's the distinction self-focus is i have room to look at myself and give myself what I need, but that's not at the exclusion of still being a compassionate and sensitive human being to others around me. In other words, it doesn't mean that I deserve more than my fair share of space. Entitlement is selfishness. When you walk into a bank and there's a line and you believe that you should be in front of the line because your time, your life, your experience is more important, that's selfish. Right. Self-focus is, oh, this is really inconvenient. Uh, Maybe I should come back at another time, but I'm not going to be blaming other people for being at the bank at the same time. What do you think of that, Rucka? What do you think of selfish versus self-focused? I, well, now nah, I mean, we're just we can we can each redefine what we mean until we. I mean, what I'm describing is people being rational. So if a person is living in reality, they understand that first of all, they don't own this bank. 
And so whoever owns it gets to make the rules. Second of all, if if they get to skip the line, then there is no line, and everyone—I mean, everyone—is just going to skip around everyone. Like understanding uh, understanding reality and adhering to it is the rational thing to do. Ultimately, it's the way to live the best life you can. And I think that's probably what you advise your patients to do. You tell them put things in their context, remember what you can control versus what you cannot, and work on yourself, as you said. All all these things sound like a recipe towards benefiting yourself and living the best life you can so every time i hear the word altruist thrown in there or, or the word selfish i don't actually mm-hmm. believe that a human being is capable of full altruism because well, of we always would, have a they, self well, agenda well behind not just only, about everything we i do. would go a step further and say true altruism is suicide you're giving away your body organs why, why would that be the, the moral standard that anyone would even want to to hold as as the ideal do you know we all yes. we all compartmentalize and formalize the world in our own way, right? And some people are more left brain and some people are more right brain. I think your explanation is very left brain. It's perfectly acceptable, but it's more left brain. And mine, I think, is a little bit more right brain. I don't know what that means. Of course you don't, don't, because you're left brain. Well, I I don't know what right and left brain mean. (laughs) Well, there's areas of the brain that are more Mm -hmm. dominantly focused on rationality, intellectualization, and different components, language, et cetera. And then other sides that are more oriented toward creativity and toward, um, you know, the more emotional components of the brain. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just speaking, I think, more from that portion of things so in my description. I'm, so me as someone who writes comedy for a living and you who some who's a psychi- psychologist for a living, you're the I'm the more rational one and you're the more creative one? I didn't say that. Okay. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> Am asking. I having another debate? No, I'm just trying debate. to understand. <laughs> I didn't know. Are we supposed to be doing our no, little no, no. dingies? Okay, I just thought it would be an interesting thing. It is an interesting okay. thing. No, I'm just curious. What I'm saying is that there are different ways by and large that we will take and organize the data on this table and mm-hmm. how we walk away from that. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to put labels on it. I don't care. I'm just saying we're trying to have, you're thinking of something in your version and I'm thinking of something in my version. I don't think that they're that far apart. If rationality is your descriptor that makes sense to you, I can go with that. Okay. So you're saying we agree. It's just, we're using different I think we words. have a different language and how okay. we're communicating that, which is a sign of why people get into trouble in their relationships, right? Because we don't have acceptance that other people process things differently. And when we have tolerance and we understand that we're both coming from a place of trying to have some unity of, of thought, then we accept that your version is is expressed differently than my version, but they don't have to be necessarily the Grand Canyon apart. They might just be, you know, a small st- side street apart. Uh-huh. Right. I agree. What would you say I am, Dr. Deborah? Uh, more left-brained or right-brained? There is a right answer. <laughs> <laughs> You're just confused. No, wrong. <laughs> wrong. I don't even have a wrong button. I would you know say, the- actually, you're more right brain. I am right. Yes. <laughs> Winner. Yeah. And I also want to do one of these. Trigger. Triggered. And, and oh. before we started the show, uh, Dr. Deborah, I talked a little bit about this triggered sound effect that we have and this concept of triggered. I wanted to just get your thoughts real briefly uh, about this concept that people use of being triggered. And I think what they mean to say is that they are having a trigger of a post-traumatic stress, uh, an instance where they've had post-traumatic stress, and that's what's triggered them. They see something that triggers them, like, for example, trauma victims, that sort of thing. Um, are, are you familiar with the way that people are using that word today, and what do you think? Well, I think that most people are using that word today both as PTSD but also in the realms of addiction 
So um, having worked in many facilities, the common work in that area for somebody to be able to recover is to identify what their triggers are. Things that, so if you think about it on the same continuum as post-traumatic stress, that a trigger is anything that initiates some sort of emotional reaction that may be greater than what the event actually is in that moment, right? right, right. right? Because of that person's unique constellation of experiences in their life. So you could actually have somebody who uh, is, is triggered on a very small level or triggered in a sense of having a full PTSD reaction. Okay. So I, I what I talked about, actually, I, I wrote about this concept in my book because I started doing research on trigger warnings that people are starting to put in front of materials that are, you know, potentially triggering. Like, for example, movies and video games, if they have violence or rape or any kind of sexual content, that sort of thing, they say this may be triggering, quote, triggering for you. But what I when I did the research and I, I read, it turns out, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most psychological triggers occur not necessarily by witnessing the act that that uh, is is traumatic, but sometimes by sounds, by associations. Smells. Right. Yes. Yeah, so if right. you go back to the classical conditioning model, where the dog, you have a dog that you put food in front of it, right? The dog salivates to the food. Then the you Pavlovian pair it, effect. Pavlovian, right? right? Mm-hmm. But some people don't know that. So then oh, you okay, take, yeah. then, then you ring the bell next to the food. The next thing you know, the dog is salivating to the bell. Right. Right. So that's a positive thing that you can train somebody to have a classical conditioning, an association to something that then becomes a conditioned response. Now, the bell is creating a conditioned response of salivation. The food creates an, an actual response of salivation. They are one and the same. Right. So if somebody, for example, here's uh, an example that I had in my practice many years ago, this young lady who had been very, very, very badly abused by her mother and also sexually abused by three generations of men across her childhood. Now, those are people who should never have had children. Right. And um, one of the things that her mom did was beat her with a tele- the old telephone um, handles, you know. Oh, telephone handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so one time I was in my, we were in my office and I hadn't turned the ringer off of my phone mm. and the phone went started to ring, mm. just a regular old ring. And she jumped up, ran out of the office screaming. I ran after her, of course. And I said, could you come back and please tell me? And she was in just a state of panic. And then she sat down finally eventually and she expressed to me what that just the sound of a telephone was enough to stir up that complete visceral right, right, response. Right. Not so much seeing a, a child at the store being hit by the mom, but the, right. all these other things. That's what you're talking about. Yes. 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 And that's and, very profound. Yeah. And so that associational, uh, that association that we have with a certain sound or a certain instance of something could draw us back to that not necessarily seeing that in a in film or art or reading about it right it, it can do both it can well i give you another amazing yeah. example of talk about something that is a trigger so my father who was a, is passed away was a holocaust survivor and um obviously multiple layers of trauma in that one and um he was polish and his parents had a soup kitchen and his parents didn't make it through and nor did most of his brothers. One time I was uh, in doing my internship at um, Santa Monica City College and I my dad had this thing. He had serious abandonment issues himself. And so he was very frightened if his kids didn't call him on a regular basis. And so it was like my duty to make sure he was okay by calling him, you know, so I'm on the payphone and I'm talking to him and all of a sudden he starts to speak to me in Polish. And my dad 
dad, dad, I don't speak Polish, dad, dad. He was gone. He was completely gone. And then he somehow, a couple minutes later, I didn't get off the phone. I'm like, he came back and I said, what are you doing, by the way? He goes, I'm making soup. Hmm. So the soup was the soup, the, the smells of the soup yeah. reminded him of being a little boy in Poland wow. and being with his parents and remembering that he had no memory in that moment of those three minutes that passed wow. of him speaking Polish to me. That's fascinating stuff. Oh, so, wow. so the, the, the thesis and the reason I asked is the thesis I wrote in the, in the book about trigger warnings, because a lot of them, you know, triggers can be smells, can be sounds, can be objects. Uh, can be locations, can be colors. Those are things that are that often can trigger people with with post traumatic stress. But putting trigger warnings in front of media like books and TV shows and video games and things like that makes it so that a victim can never be not a victim. Makes it so it, it, to me it reminds them of their trauma and they can't ever escape it and try to live a life of normalcy. Uh, because if you read, if you encounter something that that quote should be triggering, like a um, you know, like a sexual assault or a violent incident in a book or, or a piece of literature, or you see it in, in a TV show or something like that, it may not necessarily trigger the traumatic event, right? Absolutely. Right. right. So, so I think that by reading trigger warning in front of a book, it is reminding you, hey, guess what? You're a victim, and we're just war we're just warning you. I, I feel. Uh, so that was like the reason I asked is, is because this is a very interesting concept. Trigger. So we have this triggered sound effect in this show the reason the word triggered became a meme is because it's used in universities for things that have nothing to do with with assault you know a, a professor is about to bring up something that is in the neighborhood of you know white privilege or or male privilege or something where the students have been trained to be offended by certain topics that no one's ever been offended by so a, a professor say, a professor will say okay trigger warning and then the, the students, it's almost like he's telling them this is something that should offend you. And then students go around protesting speakers on the campus saying, like, I'm triggered by what you're saying. So this has been going on for the last few years. That's why the word triggered became like a like a joke. Yeah, that's that sounds like someone's been reading my book. <laughs> it sounds like it. But yeah, it unfortunately, like it. <laughs> it's it's still quite high up on the reading list, but not yet. there. Yeah. OK. I'm glad it's high up there, though. But yeah. you're you're both suggesting that it's an overused word, yes. and it's almost it's almost and misused and misused. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I see that at least uh, the uh, the warnings at movie theaters and such. It's kind of like the rating system. Yeah. Right. I mean yep. the MPAA rating system. Yeah. Which I think is of great value to parents. children, par parents yeah. for their children. Mm -hmm. But I I vote with you on this one that we do have this perpetuation of victimization in our society yeah. where people think of themselves because they were a victim. Now they have entitlements galore right. in the world and everybody should be catering to them. And it really is somebody who has been truly victimized. It's their job to move past survivorhood, which is still a minimal security prison, and into being a thriver, somebody who can release that, leave that in the past and have develop and work hard at developing new associations to the things that are triggering. Interesting. So, so it replaces the association with the trigger, the the event or thing or object that triggers them. That's right. interesting. And okay. that's yeah, through many things like meditation, putting things in perspective, yeah. he, you know, healing wounds. Those things are really valuable. Well, speaking of triggers, our own Rucka Rucka Ali has a big announcement to make. We have an announcement, right, Rucka? He's having a child. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah. so guys, uh, this is big. Uh, Maddox has something he wanted to announce. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, my announcement is 
that Rucka has an announcement to make. Uh, all right. <laughs> nice all right. try, buddy. Yeah, all right. Listen, guys, um, this isn't easy, but Mikey Boltz wanted to tell you something. Look, guys, <clears throat> it's not easy, but Rucka really, really wants to share something with you right now. And yeah, all right. Rucka. All right, guys, let's, let's let Donald Trump. Uh, listen, Maddox. <laughs> Why me? Dr. Rucka. Deb. Rucka really needs the floor here, so I'm going right, to give that right. to him. Okay, um, this is this is not a joke. This is not a bit. Um, Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after much deliberation and thought and reflection, introspection, uh, speaking to Maddox and Mikey and uh, thinking about it, I've decided um, I'm going to be making a departure from Best Debate in the Universe in a few weeks from now. And... Uh, yeah, just it's uh, the, the decision is based on really wanting to focus on doing my own thing. I'm looking right at the camera. It also um, is a nice way not to make eye contact with anyone at this time. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've decided I've been uh, originally a guest on this podcast, a, re- a reoccurring guest. I ended up becoming a staple since episode number two. I believe that was the first uh, mm. the first time that I was the I was first looking. time I was on. Ended yeah. up coming back a couple yeah. months later. Yeah, yeah ended yeah. up becoming a, an appendage. A, a staple. Um, it's been a it's been a growth experience. Yeah, I I went from being like just this loud mouth, obnoxious. Can you believe that was ever me? No, I was gonna no. say what's changed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I yeah. through a series of of correcting many of Maddox's opinions, <laughs> wrong, and never happened. Things like that. I ended up uh, really finding my voice in in the world of ideas of commentary. commentary uh, yeah. I've been like getting into it on my on my own time. And uh, I think that's something I really want to focus on, and I think it's it's just kind of time for me to really, really just do my own thing for a while. So. Well, spread your own on. wings, mm-hmm. right? Spread your own wings. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. taken off actually because Rucka in two weeks from now, I think the the final episode that Rucka is going to be on is ninety two, and you'll be back from time to time. Sure. Uh, but final episode is number ninety two on March twelfth. Because the day after we record that episode, you're flying to London, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. Doing a yeah. bunch of talks in London. You'll be there for two weeks, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in Switzerland for a week. That's that's pleasure, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and no, then, go, on, go on, tell us But about then I'm uh, going to be in London for some talks and panels. If yeah. you're listening in London, mm-hmm. I think we have one. He, he also uh, designs the website. Lord, Lord Matthew. Lord Matthew, yeah, that's right. Lord Matthew. Out there. Oh, you should do his show I when you're in. If you have time, I yeah. Better. Yeah. Meet up with Lord Matthew. So, how are you going to pleasure yourself in Switzerland? Oh, I just meant I'm not there for <laughs> for business. But what happens in Switzerland stays. Let's just say it's a neutral country. Oh, that's they're so, very neutral. That's true. Mountains and watches. That's yeah. what I remember. I was 12 years old. Oh boy. Taking a train. Chocolates and also the uh, the luggage. They make fantastic luggage. Luggage knives. Though those the, the cheese has holes in it for a purpose. Oh, that's right. Swiss cheese. I forgot about that. You know, uh, American invention. You know, Sigmund Freud, he saw he saw penises and vaginas everywhere in, in, in every hole and every stick. Of course he did. So God knows what he would make of Swiss cheese. Yeah. Well, yeah. regardless, uh, regardless yeah. of the Swiss cheese, weird cheese. fucking uh, <laughs> sexual thing you did with cheese just now. Yeah. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Rekha. Thank you. Uh, tune in. Guys, two of I think uh, three episodes from now, counting this one that you're listening to. Oh, uh, we got so we got two more after two today. more after today after this yeah. episode mm-hmm. you're listening to episode 92 on March 12th will come out. Say hey to Rucka in London. Uh, you may be seeing Lord Matthew. I hope yeah. that happens. That'd mm-hmm. be fantastic. And yeah. then check out Rucka's commentary channel because yeah. that's where really I'm, Rucka in 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 addition to creating 
constantly creating music and albums and creating content, he's also started this new commentary channel. And in addition to that, is doing video game streams. You've got a gaming channel. That's and right. now I've got a, it's a small, budding audience. Um, small, but... Yeah, you know, I want to improve my speaking skills. I want to uh, get better at expressing myself. And, you know, and someone might say, oh, Rucka, fuck you, man. You could still do this podcast. You could do. Um, yes, but uh, you know, that's not how people are. Like, I need to I need to be hungry. And that's uh, that's I think that's the reason I've decided that this is the best decision for me right now. But not an easy one, not a happy one. Uh, you know, we've we've all worked on this show. Um, and I think I think it's the best it's also the best decision for the show. Like, I think the show needs to move to its next era. Um, you know, you know, it, 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 it makes, it makes, it makes sense for the show as well. Um, to kind of find, find that next, that next chapter. It's a rucka wrap up. <laughs> talk, talk about a rucka wrap up. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm sure you'll that's be a wrap up. Greatly yeah. missed. Yeah. yeah. We wish you the best, uh, rucka. Thanks. Make sure to check out, subscribe to Rucka's commentary channel. And again, you'll you'll be on from time to time. I think. Sure. We'll, yeah. Be, we'll, be as a guest. As a guest. Yeah. Um, Back to guest. I mean, I'm. Well, you know what? Before, before Lieutenant, the sh- if the cum dumpsters still need take. <laughs> you know what? We're going to. That'll be the second vote for today, mm-hmm. yeah. whether or not Rucka deserves a promotion or demotion. Now, now take into yeah. consideration that he's leaving the show, mm-hmm. and this rank will mean nothing to him wow. after two episodes from now. So just keep, keep that in mind, and now's your chance to leave voicemails. Yeah. While Rucka's still on the show, leave voicemails for Rucka. If you want to say anything to him, we'll play those. Those we'll ha- And we'll, we have voicemails coming up. But first, we should do a recap of last week's debate. Thank you, Rucka. Thank you for making that Thank announcement. You. It's bittersweet. It's been a, a, a blast. Yeah. A lot of fun. And we'll talk about the future of the show and what we're going to uh, do and, and uh, you know, a lot of exciting things coming up. But we should get to the debate from last week. Last week, Dr. Deborah, we debated... Are smartphones making us dumber or smarter? What do you think? What's your dumber? Name? Dumber. Correct. Well, we put the question to the vote, and the audience voted with 57% of the vote. Dumber. Yes, smart. This is the first time, I think, in history that the audience was right about something other than every other time they've agreed with me. And then, <laughs> and then the, other, the other question we asked is... About our own Mikey Bolts. Oh, we asked our audience. Oh, geez. Is Mikey Bolts cool? Or... <laughs> was that it? Or is he cool and fast? <laughs> <laughs> and with an 85% vote... Cool and fast. Cool and fast. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mikey Bolts. Cool. cool. Wow. And fast. Yeah, real nail biter. Cool Thanks. and fast. Mikey Bolts. Good job. But the quiet, silent type here today. Yeah. Well, I'm listening. Yeah. Mikey, You're very like completely absorbed. This, this, this is, I'm absorbing everything. This it's is, a fascinating this is debate. Yeah. Love this has been a fascinating conversation, fascinating show. And last week, Mikey, uh, we got a number of comments in on YouTube and on the website <laughs> and on Facebook where everyone thought you were on fire. You were killing it last week. Mm. You came out shooting guns blazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was really bringing it. But today yeah. was just a different vibe. It was a listening. Uh, you know what? Was there a was listening. a point, too, especially when you. You and Rucka were discussing where I, I just thought this is an interesting ping pong match. I want to see where this goes. It's very interesting yeah. stuff. But speaking of interesting <laughs> stuff, I have the opposite. I've got some voicemail. <laughs> uh, the first voicemail is from Weird Matthew McConaughey. Now, he ta- we talked a couple of episodes ago about uh, men and violence and guns, and he had a theory about uh, women uh, and, and, you know, as to why they don't use as many guns. Listen to this. 
Women may not run into churches with semi-automatic rifles, but they will nickel and dime the fuck out of you. <laughs> wait, wait for it. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you, Weird Matthew. Yeah. Oh, really? Wrong? I don't think so. I think he's onto something there. You know, but again, these stereotypes, right? I am a self-sufficient woman. I've always made my own money, always paid my own way yeah. for things. So there. Well, we got another voicemail here. It's uh, about incels. Do you know what an incel is, Dr. Deborah? An incel? Oh, this is... this is. Uh, you should know this because this is going to be the next, I would say, like 10 to 20 years of your, of your uh, uh, patients. Uh, coming through, they're involuntary celibate men who feel like they are entitled to sex and they are involuntarily celibate, so they are angry and bitter and resentful. Got it. I didn't yeah. know the nickname for that. Incel. Incel. Mm -hmm. Incel. And then uh, MGTOWs. That's uh, that's Ruck and I. Men going Mig their own Mig way. MGTOW, yeah. <laughs> well, here's a voicemail about <laughs> incels. This yeah. guy has a theory. Listen to this. Hey, this is going to blow your mind. Incels are radicalized neckbeards. That's right. <laughs> so, a radicalized neck beard. So a neck beard is uh, a loser and uh, a, a lot of time. I would say I'm an internet feminist, a male internet feminist. Milady, mm, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> you probably talk to these guys all the time. Yeah. Not on this podcast, though. Never. Here's a <laughs> here's another voicemail. Uh, about the worst thing from 2000s. So a couple episodes ago, we debated what the worst thing of the 2000s was. And we all failed to mention this. Listen to this. Hey, Lord Maddox. I was listening to your 2000s worst thing episode, and you guys didn't even mention the uh, 2004 tsunami that killed like 300,000 people. Maybe because you don't care about Indonesians, but I just thought you'd point that out, that it was magnitudes higher than 9-11. But I, I don't know how many Indonesians is worth like a Westerner. Mm. So I don't know what the ratio comes out to. Anyway. Oof, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he's not wrong. We forgot to mention that. That was a bad thing that happened in the 2000s. Uh, then we got a voicemail. <laughs> That's all you're going to say? <laughs> it was fucking awful. Honestly, it was the, probably the greatest human tragedy. <laughs> the greatest human ta tragedy that's happened in the last 20 years. Easily. The tsunami from mm. the 2000s. I think it happened in 2004, didn't it? I don't know. Fucking Rucka. <laughs> I, was, um, I was very... Um, unavailable during the mid-2000s. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was, I was not paying close attention to the world outside. Yeah. Were you uh, pleasuring yourself in Switzerland? or <laughs> Not so much the Switzerland part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ruck <laughs> was, was in a in a cloud of masturbation in the 2000s and did not notice the, the greatest human tragedy of all time. There, but that I, was, excuse there me. There was a uh, beautiful movie made of that. I think it was called The Impossible. Yeah, but wasn't that about a, 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 a white family, family but a, a Western family? Yeah, but that still, was relatable. It, it, it definitely showed how people had to come together to ha even be able to have any survivors. Well, I mean, the Ruckers of the pretty, world. Profound. Yeah, I, I I didn't see that movie, but I heard the criticism of it. That was before the whole SJW mob has taken over the the conversation of finding flaws and making sure that nothing is enjoyable anymore. Even Black Panther. Have you guys have you seen the criticism of Black Panther? They're mm -hmm. like, oh, uh, you know, it's done a it's done a pretty good job of uh, you know uh, elevating the races and doing and putting out a voice that we've never seen before, but a little bit lacking in the LGBTQ representation. It's like, what the fuck do you guys want? Not everything has to be everything. Can you just let this thing be 
Can you just let? Can you just enjoy something for once in your fucking lives? Yeah, it's, <laughs> go ahead. It's, it's that mentality of if we don't like something, we have to knock it down. As opposed to if you see a deficit in something, then go fill up go the fill department. It. That, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All these fucking it and YouTube. YouTube is starting to do this now. YouTube is putting out these tweets on their on their Twitter channel where it's like more women creators more women comedians more women ceos more it's like guys youtube is the platform with no gatekeeper mm -hmm. there is literally nobody telling you you can't make a youtube channel in fact i wish there was let me be that person let me tell you you can't yeah we need fewer youtube channels true i will be that person but nobody outside of me is telling you you can't mm-hmm so don't listen to me. Well, but th what they're saying <laughs> is society. Oh. Huh? oh. Society mm. makes women, you know, fail. But then you have Dr. Deborah, an independent woman mm -hmm. who's never nickeled and dimed. <laughs> like, like, like a I've weird I've been Matthew. nickeled and dimed. Yeah, you've been nickeled and dimed. That's right. Well, we got another voicemail. This one well, is... Well, no, she, she's just the... Um, She's the um uh, the the patriarchy that you and I enjoy, Maddox. We we hold her up as as a show woman. We hold her up as a example, as a I don't know, a puppet. Like you're you're you are what we we show you to the world and say, see women, see women are free. An ideal. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, not an ideal. We're 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 using you to to get them to all pipe down. So an ideal. Yeah. I don't know why, why. I don't know what the word ideal has to do with. Yeah, I, I know what you're trying to say. What is the word I'm saying? You're trying to say, you're yeah. trying to say yeah. a convenient, I guess a convenient, a, a rhetorical, she's, she's rhetorically convenient, right? Well, you know, I, I got to say something about this because it probably all stems back to prenatal because my parents really wanted a boy mm -hmm. and they only had names for a boy. My sister was born first. They were fine with a girl, but I was damn it going to be a boy. Mm -hmm. So maybe I developed some of those. Is is Deborah short for Deb Brozif? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Well, speaking of didn't want, this guy didn't want us to have that debate last week. Uh -oh. It's a criticism of the show. Listen to this. Hey, Maddox, uh, calling about last week's episode. Uh, you call this the best debate in the universe. This isn't even the best debate in my ass. Uh, I listen to podcasts when I take a shit, and I accidentally wiped my ear pods in my ass when listening to your show. And it wasn't even as good as the last podcast and ear pods I still had in my ass. <laughs> Love you, Rucka. Can tolerate you, Maddox, for bringing Rucka's message to a wider audience. One love, y'all. One love. Yeah, it doesn't sound like one love. Doesn't sound like my message either. Yeah. One love? That's not what I'm about. No, but you, you do yeah. invite this shit. You do. No, I, no. I invite only, only yes. <laughs> admiration. Uh, nice call, yeah, admiration. Mm -hmm. I was just telling a friend the other day, I feel like people never are impressed with me. True. <laughs> <laughs> Why is nobody impressed with me? I'm I constantly don't. impressing myself. Yes. <laughs> you are your biggest fan. That I'm is a true. huge fan of myself. And when fans come up to me like, oh, Maddox, I'm your biggest fan. I'm like, no, you're not, because it's me. Mm -hmm. They're Moron. like kids. Most yeah. are most are a bad idea. Yeah, most are a bad Occasionally idea. Occasionally you get, you get one. But uh, fans are fickled. Fans right? are fickle. Yes. A fucking men, Dr. Deborah yes. or Debrosef. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing. This dipshit. Mm. Oh, I was in a good debate. I want my ear. Maybe you're because you're listening to the podcast with your asshole. Dumbass. <laughs> when I was on the um, Tyra Banks show and I was talking about my book, Dump That Chump. And uh, afterward, people were posting and this this gentleman 
I don't know if I can call him that, but anyway, he wrote a review of my book on uh, uh, Amazon, right? And he says, I can't imagine that anybody, I don't want to say this on air, but I will. Please, the FCC <laughs> is listening. Somebody as attractive as you would ever understand what it was like to have to dump a chump, or I don't know, he just what? said something really stupid. It was like, you're not making it, what does my looks have anything to do with what experiences I have had in the world and that I could talk about? Dr. Deborah, that guy was just hitting on you. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, was it a compliment? <laughs> I have no idea. It didn't It didn't sound like one when I read it. Was it backhanded? Ruck is an expert on those. Yes, I am. <laughs> I've received and, and issued many of those. True, the, yeah. the compliment was clearly, this was so interesting, I didn't even know people did this, but when I was on uh, O'Reilly's show. And Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, wow. twice. And, um... This uh, guy wrote after that, he goes, Dr. Deborah, you rock. You won. Yeah. I didn't even know I was having a debate. You won. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the okay. same guy who follows you around everywhere. <laughs> Probably so. He's your biggest get him on. Yeah, yeah, get him on next week. Get this week. guy on. Yeah. You know what? Last A couple episodes ago, we talked about the guy who left a Southwest, or no, JetBlue flight. Mm-hmm. The, the guy who quit his job by taking two beers and then pulling at the escape chute and then sliding out onto the tarmac, and that's how he quit his job at JetBlue. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that. It was, you know, we went some back and forth. I said, fuck it, I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to have him on my show. So I did a lot of research, and I tracked the guy down, sent him a Facebook request. So we'll see. Oh, mm. We'll see. That's we may get fascinating. This guy the best part is her uh, Dr. Deborah's commenter guy, he's probably going to comment on this episode, so we'll get hey, a hold of him. There you go. <laughs> Weird. That was a very nervous laugh. Let's uh, <laughs> let, let, let the record state. But um, I want to be on when you have that guy on because that's a fascinating character who we'll would have go you through. Back. Yeah. yeah, not not many yeah. uh, guests want to meet their stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the one who quit JetBlue. Oh, oh, yeah. that's, oh the no. JetBlue. Guy. We'll, we'll okay. get them both in. We'll get them both. I'll meet my stalker in a safe place. Yeah. This is a safe place. Yeah, I was stalked safe. actually once. Yeah. Oh yeah, just once. <laughs> just once. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Dr. Debra, this is we Dabrowski. have. Wait, what's my name? Dr. Debrosif. Debrosif. Yeah. So we have. Oh wait! Remember, I said you can't call me Debbie. You can't. You can call me Deb, but you can't change your name. I will let you have this one, Debrosif. Oh, <laughs> it's a runaway train. It's a runaway bro train. Can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Deborah. before the show, she's like, just don't call me Dr. Debbie. And I said, okay. And then here we are, Dr. Debrosa. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> Transformation. <laughs> you're an honorary bro. Um, hey, so so you're a psychologist, and we have a lot of callers who call in with a, a, a lot of interesting things to unpack. Listen to this guy. Tell me, tell me if you can uh, suss out anything about this caller. So Maddox, I was watching internet comment etiquette, and I was jerking it, and then I was, I was just, jerking. you know, I was pretending that Eric was a girl, so that it didn't make me gay or nothing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, on the hologram pops up Maddox, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And I blew my load, so now I think I'm gay. <laughs> fuck. What do you, <laughs> what do you think? What do you make of that? It sounds like he just came out of the closet. Congratulations. Mm. That's a mad cast. First, mm-hmm. a caller came out on a voicemail. Yeah. So anyway, I was on this guy, Internet Comment Etiquette. If you guys haven't checked out his newest video, I'm in it. We have a, uh, I had a little cameo. It's super fun. Eric's uh, just one of the chillest dudes ever. I uh, love that guy. Check out his video. It's super fun. Uh, really funny stuff. Just search for Internet Comment Etiquette, big money, all that shit. You'll find the video. Super fun. Uh, here's another voicemail. So we talked a couple episodes ago about uh, dating 
turnoffs. Turnoffs. Yeah, yeah we with, talked about dating Kelly. turnoffs. Yeah, with Kelly. Therapist Kelly, my yeah, co-host. Therapist Kelly, and we talked about dating turnoffs, and this caller called in with a horrible date experience. Listen to this. Hey, I've got a horrible dating story. When I was like a freshman in high school, this girl named Lauren came over to my house to watch a movie. This was before Netflix and Chill existed. And we're sitting on the couch, and we're just like kind of making out like, you know, freshman kids do. And then she said she had to go use the restroom real quick. She didn't take a long time, but it was like, you know, she was clearly doing something in there. And then she left. Her dad came, picked her up, where I was at. And then I was like, well, good. I've been, I've been taking a piss this entire time. You know, I was trying to hold it in. And I go into the bathroom, and there's diarrhea splattered all over the toilet. Like, splashed everywhere. And I don't think she bothered to even try and clean it up. And uh, it was disgusting. So I couldn't look at her the same way again, which was unfortunate because she was super attractive. But now I have a thing where any girl I see, if I imagine them pooping or farting or anything like that, it just completely turn off disgust me uh, because of this girl, which I'm sure that's normal to disgust people. They're like, holy crap, I've got a phobia now because of this girl. So anyway, fucking not you will. Why did we have to hear that? Now that is a dude who should not have children. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're going to have poop mm-hmm. and shit all over the place. True. So yeah. I'm sorry to say. Uh, I mean, poop and shit. <laughs> Poopy <laughs> shit. Shitty poop. poop. The, the metaphorical shit, like the yes. toys and shit. Yes. Or shit. reading glasses. Exactly. The kids spoiled rotten. Thank, that was a beautiful save. They, yeah. can't, be, they can't be spoiled, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They're self, indulged. What, what did you call it? Self? Overly indulged. Overly indulged. Mm. They've OD'd. They've OD'd. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, here's another voicemail um, from the Bad Ombre. Uh, bitching about our smartphone debate. Listen, to this. hey, what's up, cabrones? I keep hearing this argument that phones are making us dumber because we use them to fucking argue with others online. Did you know that there are plenty of other uses for smartphones that don't involve a fucking web browser or any social media? Seriously, though, fuck. You guys have options. You don't have to fucking just use one thing for one reason. Fucking hey, man. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we hadn't considered that you can use your smartphone for multiple uses. Good call. <laughs> yeah. I love bad hombre. A bad hombre. Hey, yeah. carones. What does he call us? Carones. Carones. It's the funniest thing to me. Yeah. Hey. When when, uh, when Rucka leaves the show, I'm going to start forwarding the voicemails from bad hombre. Please. To you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need them. Yeah. Here's another voicemail. We talked about accents and whether or not accents were hot. Uh, we had differing opinions, differing accents, but listen to this, this caller about that. So, Maddox, you're talking about accents, but you didn't talk about the best accent, which is the Iowa slash Omaha accent. It's the neutral accent you hear in America that you hear on the commercials, on the automated bus and transit beaches. The Iowa Midwest accent is actually the neutral accent. There is no accent. So when you say that the hot girls from the Midwest have an accent, you actually like no accent at all. Fuck whales. Wrong. Fuck whales to you too, but wrong. Um, he, <laughs> the the accent I was talking about was the Michigan accent that uh, girls from Michigan. It's all, it's like a subtle lisp. I don't know what it's it annoying. is. Annoying. You you don't like the Michigan accent? No, maybe because the people from there are annoying. But they go like, <laughs> I'm driving my car. That that's no accent saying I'm driving my car. Hey, what's the opposite of weakness, Rucka? Strength. <laughs> what? Why you guys hear that? Say strength? it again. Strength? I don't even have a, a Detroit accent. Strength. He says but, it's strength. But in fairness to yeah. this this caller, yeah. right? I mean, accents are relative, right? Yeah. 
So no, 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 no. Either everybody has an accent Wrong. or no one there has is, an accent. No, there is. There is. No, you're a rocket. I will veto that. No, not everyone Fine. has an accent yes. compared to someone else. No, sure they I do. Was, you have in... you have the the dialect Incorrect. of your no, like community. You no, she's no. Doctor Debrozov is right. Rucka, is you're wrong. No, I'm wrong. I'll right. tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I learned this in mm-hmm. Hungary of all places. Ooh. I was talking to I was talking to a Hungarian, a real Hungarian. Wow. In Hungary, in Budapest. Excuse me. Standing outside this bar, and this guy's finding out where I'm from, and you know, talk, talking to me, whatever. <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, so uh, you're from uh, America, and uh, you know, talking this like really heavy Hungarian accent, and he says, I can speak uh, like an American, and I'm like, uh, oh yeah, what do you mean? He goes, well, actually, I can sp- I can totally talk like an American if I wanted to. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought he- I thought the dude was an actual American fucking with me. I said, you're speaking perfect English. He goes, no, I'm a speaking English in an American accent. And I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, well, how did you learn that? Because that's that's my dialect. That's how I understand people. Whoa! And and so he said he had a professor who taught him English from San Francisco, and he picked up the Southern Californian English accent. But the, his Hungarian accent, his Hungarian English accent, was what he chose to speak English in. So he could speak like that. Doesn't prove or negate anything. No, All it right, proves listen. that the neutral accent the is normal. Still an accent. The the blank. Correct way to speak English is what that last caller described, that Midwest, but like not Michigan, like actual West Midwest. But why is that correct? Because it is the way the language is supposed to sound. Oh, yeah? That is so egocentric. uh It's not egocentric, because as Maddox pointed out, I can't even do it perfectly. I say strength. Strength. Well, you could argue that the British English accent is the more appropriate. One you would be wrong invented, to argue that since they invented. You would be the incorrect. They oh, they invented it. They, they we they also invented punk. We made it better. Oh, great! This has nothing to do with punk. By the way, Rucka, if seventy eighty percent of the United States had a Southern accent, guess what? You'd be like, no, the Southern accent is is. <laughs> it's not the correct way to it's, speak. Why? Because it's it's uh, it's wrong. There's no, there's no it's, standard. It's a bastardization. No. It's like, it's like lazy. Everyone yeah. is lazy. The, the, the British, the Southerners, the, the, uh, the East Coast, the West Coast. They're all, they're all not trying very hard yeah. to, 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 to pronounce these syllables correctly. Sounds like they don't have a lot of strength. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and make fun. You're only proving my point that there is a correct and an incorrect way to pronounce things. How yeah. do you say the word R O O F? Roof. Roof, roof. Oh, I supposed to rough, rough, roof. yeah, roof. roof. Oh, a lot of God, people say roof, roof, roof. Yep. Oh, are we in a in a room right now? We're sitting in this nice room, and, and, <laughs> and there's no there's no objective standard. It's all it's all just however you you were raised. I, I, I will say this from the perspective of trying to find the most neutral American accent, and I'm not saying that this is a neutral accent, but the most neutral American accent. A lot of telemarketing companies will establish in Iowa or Utah, believe it or not, because when when people in commercials are looking for a neutral accent, they do go to either Utah or Iowa. The Utah accent is very subtle, but there's a few words that we say that are a little bit, you can pick us out. We say mount, mountain instead of mountain. A lot of Utahns just say mountain, and that's a Utah accent. And then there's another one, too. I, I, I grew up uh, calling it cricks instead of creeks. Cricks was That's how I stupid. pronounce it. It's not stupid. <laughs> Cricks. It's one of my strengths. Does, does anybody actually know what the percentage of all true Americans 
Listen, I don't care if it's one person. He's doing it right and everyone else is wrong. Since when does the majority get to decide everything? What are we? What are we in in Hitler's Germany? Yeah, well, let's let's let this next voicemail. Let's let this next caller decide. Listen to this guy. All right, Rucka, you dumb motherfucker. I'm from Minnesota and we don't say cat. That's Boston, (laughs) goddamn idiot. Maybe up in the Iron Range. Oh, they talk a little like this, but that's closer to Canada. Uh, down here in the cities, the Twin Cities, where I'm from. Whoa. Uh, we talk normal, all right? So, go fuck yourself, you, you said dumb soul. motherfucker, and do something about your stupid-ass hair. You look like a fucking hedgehog. <laughs> you mean that yeah. animal that everybody wants and nobody can find? They're cool and fast. Yeah. Maddox's favorite animal, actually. I do like hedgehogs. Uh, the guy, he said soul. Are you from Minnesota, eh? Yeah. They, they, they're not... And listen, his whole argument is like, I don't talk like that. Yeah, so he's confirming that there is a good way to speak. And then there's the Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota way to speak. Minnesota accents are fun. Anytime I did a game show oh, for a while, and anytime we had Minnesotans who came on the elevator, I could immediately pick them out. They were always the most friendly. I don't know why, but they were very friendly and very social. They're, they always looked at each other to try to guess the answer, the correct answer. And uh, and that was kind of unique to them. And then the other ones were the Irish. <laughs> always drunk. Oh, I yeah. know that's a stereotype, but the ones I encountered in Vegas uh, were always listen, drunk. Listen, let's just be very clear. I dislike just about every region, but yeah, Minnesota true. just seems to be the worst. They're just, it's like they celebrate their their mediocrity, their mundane, low expectations of existence. They're just, it's just like they built a culture around being nothing special. <laughs> Which sounds like they are extraordinarily ordinary. Yes. Well, that by definition is oh. something extraordinary. Um, here's another voicemail. Speaking of extraordinary, about uh, we talked about Russians coming to the United States and seeing the abundance that we had in grocery stores for the first time. This guy called in about that. Fucking Russia. The reason these Russian people cried when they saw the cereal is because they went from having no choices to having plenty of choices. It's not because they went from having few to many. It's because they went from having none. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that caller? I I don't know what he's saying. Yeah, uh, we talked about uh, we, the example you gave last week, where the Russians came. Yeah, they, they went from standing in line for one stale piece of bread. Okay, yes, I realize they didn't have few choices; they had no choice at all. They got okay. what they were given. All right, well, thanks thank, for the correction. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, thank you. Yes, caller. thank you for framing it so respectfully. Yeah, Jesus, that's Christ. what we like about our callers. Yeah, here's another voicemail. This is the last one. <laughs> I talked about crab. Being a thinking man's food. Because it takes a while to crack it open and you have a lot of time to think while you're eating. I love to crack crab. See? Thinking man. Dr. Dimbrosov. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I set myself up for yep. that one. It's, I think it's going to stick. Here is a voicemail about thinking man's foods. And this guy has a, a suggestion. Listen to this. Hey, Lord Maddox, it's me. Uh, by your logic, a thinking man's food could also be eating a bowl of rice with chopsticks. So that's that's something. Fuck Nazis. <laughs> Wrong. Because a thinking man would never intentionally take his time to eat his food. That's a lazy man. You shouldn't use chopsticks to eat rice unless you're eating it properly, which in China and Japan, they just put the bowl right up to their mouth and they scoop it into their mouths. That's not how Americans eat rice. We have plates. When I went to China, for the, I refused to use chopsticks for the longest time. Because I thought it was stupid and insulting uh, to the culture. And, and it's it's a condescending. Oh, I'm, I'm in a Chinese restaurant. I'm going to use chopsticks. So 
that changed when I went to China and I saw how you're supposed to eat with chopsticks. They don't eat like we do. You you kind of scoop it into your mouth like a shovel. Yeah, it's just you yeah. shovel it. Yeah. That's what you do. You shovel it in your mouth. That's not how Americans eat. Right. Americans use fucking plates that are not built for rice. It's stupid. Anyway, that's that's a thinking man would use a fork or a spoon. Although I do use chopsticks now with certain Asian foods. It's good for noodles. It's actually probably better. Anyway, moving on to some quick news headlines from around the web. A farting passenger forces a plane to make an emergency landing. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Maybe it was a fart machine. No, this was a real thing. Oh, emergency landing. Emergency landing because a flight from Dubai to Amsterdam had to make an emergency landing in Vienna after a fight broke out because one of the passengers wouldn't stop breaking wind. This is from Yahoo.com. The fart-induced fracas happened February 11th aboard a Transavia, Transavia Airlines flight when two men sitting next to an apparently very flatulent man raised a stink about his repeated <laughs> gas attacks, according to Fox News. Jesus Christ. When the alleged perpetrator didn't stop, his disgusted seatmates reportedly complained to the airline crew, who apparently did nothing. Instead, the captain issued a warning to the two complainants, accusing them of noisy and aggressive behavior and making threats. Now, I have a, uh, a clip of this, of this newscast talking about this. Listen to this, this guy. Pretty funny. A gassy disturbance, you heard me right, led to a mid-flight fight between passengers on board a Transavia Airlines jet from Dubai to Amsterdam. The pilot, get this, had to make an emergency landing in Vienna. The two men who complained were escorted off the plane while the gassy passenger was allowed to continue to Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> what? So they let the so they booted the they let the farter on and booted off the complainants. Yeah. Because they were being too aggressive, or what? Too aggressive, I guess. So three people got in a fight. Over two of them, a fart. Two, the two of them who who were complaining got kicked, and then they, they said, "Because the farter is a victim, man. <laughs> the victim. You can't you can't control. You can't your discriminate asshole. against a fart. Yeah. What if he's just a gassy dude? Why don't right. they put him in the bathroom though? Because yeah. it couldn't be that long of a flight. Maybe mm-hmm. he just was... shove him in there and lock him from the other side. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's 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 he gonna like? What does he need to do? Fart. I mean, he's. He, <laughs> It's not like if you lock him in any other part of the plane, it's like, well, what do you, if he has to use the restroom? But, like, you're locking him in the restroom. Well, l- listen, he's he's going to Vienna. Yeah. And that's home of the Vienna sausage. True. A very farty food. Mm. <laughs> you guys, if he, if the passenger, I'm afraid if the captain, I think if he landed the plane and booted the farter, it'd be discrimination against Viennans. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Very gassy people. True. Here's another story. A Georgia woman <laughs> lost her home in a divorce, so she set it on fire. It burned down 20 homes next to her. Oh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All 20 of them? Uh, yeah, 20 homes. Jesus Christ. This according to Fox News. A woman living alone in a home awarded to her husband in a divorce started a fire in the living room that quickly spread to 19 other houses, mm. causing more than $1 million in damage. Ooh. Hold well, on. Only one million. Yeah, where, where was this? Like, like uh, Utah? What, what's sad, to, what's sad to me <laughs> is it says Detroit. about all it says is about the damage. How about how many people's lives were lost? Who got wounded? Who got oh, hurt? The first thing they say. Well, is, I think if, he, if people had died, I think that would be the headline. No, I brought in some of the the, the only the important facts here. Yeah, uh, the woman, <laughs> the woman whom officials identified as Adrian Satterley, forty-one, started a blaze in a stack of mattresses. Stack of mattresses. Mm. This is not probably the best part of town like if you have a stack of mattresses in your living room it's not a good and you sign burn 20 houses and only cause 1 million in damages what's that less than 
Wait, let's so let's listen like fifty thousand per home. Fifty thousand yeah. per home. Yes. Less than fifty thousand per home, and plus what those homes contain: furniture, mattresses, mattresses. Well, she had a stack of TVs. She said she Xboxes. Yeah, Xbox, Xbox they One, Xbox. cash. Yeah, you smartphones, 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 smartphone dumb users. Mm-hmm. She started a blaze in a stack of mattresses early Sunday in her home in Hiram, 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 probably. Then drove off with her two cats, WSB TV reported. Um, I didn't bring in the rest of this news story, but I think two dogs died. Where's where's Hiram? Hiram, Hiram. Where is that? What state is that in? Georgia. Oh. This was in Georgia. All right. We're like having a 25-minute conversation about where, where was this that real estate is so cheap. Well, literally in the headline, I said a Georgia woman burned her house down. It, it and- says she's from Georgia. It doesn't say the home she burned down was in Georgia. I mean, she could have been living here, but she's a, still a Georgia woman. She's a Georgia It's a woman. bond. It's a yeah. bond that's never broken. Georgian? Yeah. Georgians. Georgians. Yeah. A man arrested. <laughs> a man was arrested for feeding cocaine and whiskey to a goat. Oh, no. You guys hear about this? No. Yeah. No. What was he, got, he arrested for? Yeah, giving him a good time. <laughs> well, why is that? Partying too hard Partying with, a with a goat. When did it become illegal to give coke and whiskey to a goat? Oh, when come it, on, guys. You can't really believe that. That's cruel. That is, is it? Cruel. Sure it is. The well, animal has no, no well, choice. Let me let me read the story, and you guys deter- determine if this is a cruel uh, okay. act, okay? Wait. A, <laughs> wrong! Wrong! A Gwinnett County man is facing an animal cruelty charge and possible deportation after video footage of him and two men force-feeding a goat cocaine and whiskey surfaced. Sheriff investigators arrested Sergio Palmares Guzman at a ranch on the 200 block of Grayson, New Hope Road. The 28-year-old lived and worked on the ranch as a horse trainer. Footage from the January 2nd incident shows Palomares Guzman holding the goat's horns while a second male suspect inserted cocaine in the goat's nose. Jesus oh my Christ. God. Palomares Guzman then forced the goat's mouth open as the second suspect poured whiskey into the goat's mouth. The goat is in good condition. <laughs> <laughs> and available for adoption. <laughs> goat has been very productive. Oh my god. That's like goat. substance yeah. rape. Yeah. yeah. Right? That imagery is trigger. Why yeah. would why would they do that? Like That's... why would two people conspire to feed or to give We coke talk about to... the sickness of humanity, just so you know. Yeah. People who light fires and people with cruelty to animals, they are the sickest on wait, the wait, planet. What did you say about fires? People who light fires, oh, pyromaniacs light fire. and oh. People who are cruel deliberately to animals are some of the most disturbed humans on the planet. It is a sign of so- sociopathy, so, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you say that extends to insects? Oh, dear. This no. is very important in Maddox's case. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. curious because I know I've known people who I suspected as being sociopaths because of the way they treat insects. Actually, like sadistically, like taking off a head or something like that? I, I mean, mean, maybe... Um, yeah, how about crickets? Do they count as animals? <laughs> okay, so I got to tell full disclosure. All right, I had a cricket problem, and this this motherfucker was chirping all day and all night. And I made a pledge on a live stream: if I caught this guy, I was gonna fry it and eat it. And then uh, I caught the guy. I made the video, and in the video, I had a change of heart. I said, you know what, guys? I I decided to let it go. Then I said, just kidding, I'm frying it right now. And we pan down to see the motherfucker frying in a frying pan. I took it out, pour, put it on a piece of bread. Put a little, put a cayenne pepper, drizzle of olive oil, had a little uh, garnish on the sides and parsley. Chew the shit out of that guy, and then, <laughs> and then that wasn't the only cricket. I found it's multiples, multiple mm-hmm. crickets, and I decided to send them a message. 
his family. So I, I took the crickets, I froze them in, in, my, in my freezer until I was ready to make this video. And when I did the video, I cut off their heads because they were already mm -hmm. dead anyway, you know, whatever. I, I cut off their heads and put them on little stakes, little mm -hmm. wooden stakes like Dracula. Because mm -hmm. that's what Dracula did. Lord, Lord Tepes, Vladimir Tepes, Vlad, uh, we, the Impaler. You know who Dracula is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vlad the Impaler got his reputation <laughs> in Turkey because he, I think, no, uh, Transylvania. In Transylvania because he <laughs> impaled his, his enemies' mm -hmm. heads on stakes to scare the other enemies. And it worked. I mm -hmm. thought, well, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I put a little. Uh, How'd that work heads. for you? I still have crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Deborah, yes. thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you? Okay, I have a website, drdebraonline.com, D-R-D-E-B-R-A online.com. However, I will be changing that to Dr. Debrosive. Debrosive, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also, please uh, come and visit Kelly and me on our show on LA Talk Radio. It's also on uh, you. Uh, iTunes, that one. That's and right. it's the Dr. Deborah and Therapist Kelly show. Very fun. Yeah. I highly recommend it, guys. These these women have been doing it for three years now. Yes. It's a fantastic show. I love their personalities. It's a lot of fun. Not just blowing sunshine up your ass. I had a great time doing the show. Check it out. Thank you again, Dr. Deborah, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And thank you to the Sultan of Swag, Mikey Bolts. Thank you, Maddox. Thank you to the Maharaja of Moderation, Rucka Rucka Ali. Yeah. But most of all, thanks to you. You're welcome. <laughs> this is like my favorite uh, episode because I'm like screaming into the uh, my phone like constantly. I'm calling a bunch of times. But the, what you guys are talking about right now with uh, with uh, ah, shit. <laughs> uh, what a screw up. So sometimes callers call in and they screw up when they're trying to make a call. This guy called back. Mm -hmm. uh, listen to this. Please don't play my screw up. I know you're going to and you're not going to play this. Shit. Um, what, uh, what I was trying to say is that this idea of... Damn it. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, uh, he asked me not to play that screw up. I played both. So, and not... <laughs> fully delivered. Not his actual call. And then I got a very confusing call from the bad hombre. Listen to this. Yes. Hey, what's up, cabrones? I think fucking smartphones are making us turn into sex offenders and shit, man. Because I can't tell you how many times I've nutted in other people's bathrooms because of my phone and shit. <laughs> yeah. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast Shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network.